Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. Our sermon text every Sunday this Lent are uh, a combination of the reading from the Old Testament along with the Holy Gospel um, in a little series called The Covenant Fulfilled. Often I, I have to bring other scriptures from the New Testament especially in to show uh, how God's covenant, his, his sacred promise and promises in their different facets are, are fulfilled indeed in Christ. Um, but not today so much because today maybe above any uh, sermon in this series uh, truly has the divine connection from the mouth of Jesus himself how the covenant spoken and demonstrated of the centuries millennia earlier is fulfilled in him indeed today's title using both uh, Numbers 21 and John chapter 3, poisoned with pardon. And in his name, I, I surely hope, and I don't mean to sound condescending, that you at some level at least have, have heard, you heard today the uh, story, true story, I always say for little kids in case they're wondering, of, of the, the bronze, the brazen, brass serpent in the wilderness. Numbers chapter 21. It was set in the wanderings of the Israelites in that wilderness uh, for 40 years, about 1500 years before Jesus was born God had saved them out of Egypt with the ten plagues forcing Pharaoh's hard heart to let them go and then the greatest miracle of the Old Testament the passage through the Red Sea uh, very symbolic of baptism to uh, the, the, the Mount of, of Sinai Horeb we had that last week as he gave his Torah, his revelation to them, uh, giving them righteousness, asking them to live it. But with their faithlessness, their lack of trust as they were about to enter the promised land, he made them wander for 40 years. Years later, indeed, uh, Aaron, the high priest, the the brother of Moses in the previous chapter already has died. They come to Mount Hor. Going around Edom, you can look up the geography on your map. And they became, in my translation, it says, impatient on the way. And here we see not only the covenant, but the need for the covenant. Indeed, let us look first at the poison. The next line says, the people spoke against God and against Moses. Against God. 
That is the essence of sin. It is a problem with God. You can couch it as separation from God. Isaiah 59, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. He has hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. By nature, in sin, we are not with God. And it's even a war between us and God, between God and us. His anger, the holy God must execute upon us and that needs to be recognized the 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 danger the peril of this situation indeed like like uh, most venomous poison is sin in our lives you and i i have no doubts are exactly the same you could list your sins i could list mine here today some would not be appropriate to mention in a public setting and indeed so many times I try to hide them or think that they're really not that bad maybe I, I hurt one person or it's affecting myself alone David says in his great confessional psalm however Psalm 51 against thee Thee only I have sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. Yes, it was adultery and murder against other people, but it was against God, his sin with Bathsheba. And indeed, for us, every sin, no matter how, quote, small, is an affront to God. The children of Israel, like us, were beset by that problem over and over and over again. They grumbled, they mumbled, different translations say they spoke against God, indeed ignorantly, almost craving a return to the slavery they had in Egypt. And so the results must come. Yahweh sent fiery serpents among the people that word fiery means what it says basically it's definitely in my opinion a divine word the only other place it's really used in the Old Testament is Isaiah 6 where it describes the seraphs those fiery angels of some sort Surrounding God's throne, definitely the divine beings, most holy. These are serpents ordained by God from his very hand. And they bit the people so that many died. You feel that sting too. We know it in every pain and problem in life, the root cause is sin. Now, it may not be a particular sin to which we can point. Often it is, however. But in every case, when we have problems and pain, the first thing is to recognize sin as the problem. My own. And the people here do. They say, 
We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. And they realized their only answer, but not in themselves. They turned to Moses, they turned to God, pray to Yahweh that he may take the serpents from us. Interesting, it never says he took the serpents from them. The disciplines for sin, the pain that must come is always amongst us, but he gave them an answer for sin he said to Moses, make a fiery serpent again and set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, he shall live. Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. If a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. There was their answer. From God, not from themselves. And that's the key point. They would have life, but God was showing them here, not just life in the face of venomous snakes, but life eternal indeed, much greater and lasting than any temporary temporal solution to problems. For God provides eternally an answer for our poison and the poisoning of his own son, Jesus. And your pardon that comes from it. The exact opposite happens with Jesus. You and I in our sin are against God and we cannot get to him. Going to John chapter 3. Notice the first words of our text as Jesus continues a discussion with a, a religious leader and teacher who should know these things, Jesus said. He emphasizes, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Nicodemus, you, me, we cannot climb into heaven to solve our problems, achieve it with our own good works. We heard Ephesians chapter 2. It is not by works. No one can boast and claim that before God. Maybe the most clear verse of scripture about it. But Jesus says, the Son of Man has descended from heaven. God has done it indeed himself. And this is a truth so often missed, even by, by people in the church. You know, we call this hour, m most precisely, the divine service. And not only here, Ignite also with its contemporary styles, the divine service. I know we come thinking we're doing so much with our songs and prayers and offerings and presents. But the service, the work primarily being done here is by God. That's what that word in German means. God's service to us is our answer. As he comes to us with his saving word, absolution, the scriptures, the remembrance of baptism, the Lord's Supper, grace. Even before we turn to him, Ephesians 2 earlier said, even when we were dead, 
God made us alive in Christ Jesus. He initiated the solution, prefigured back in numbers and before. Now come in Jesus Christ. And indeed, a solution for the worst problem, our sin. Jesus mentions the sin here. In the most familiar verse of the Bible, people sometimes skip the problem. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He goes on to talk about the darkness we are in. It is pervasive and persistent permanent without Jesus again in Jesus in his suffering on the cross we can see the extent of sin that he covered with his blood when I was preparing this sermon um, earlier in the week uh, I accidentally nicked myself with a, a little knife the Marcus is still there just a tiny little nick and I quickly dabbed it with a Kleenex and kept on studying but the blood wouldn't stop it happens more and more in my old age and as I dabbed it I noticed that tiny little cut was filling every crack every wrinkle of my hand with the stain of blood it looked horrible from one tiny little cut one little sin infects everything and Jesus knowing that went to the cross for the sins of the world every sin you have even those you do not know and the call of God to you as it was to the Israelites is simply to look to him whoever believes in him that's not intellectual knowledge that word in Greek all through the New Testament the Old Testament words too mean to trust to bank on to stand on trust in him just look to him with that faith and you have eternal life as you go forth facing the sin and death of this world and, and sharing hope with others it's nothing less than eternal life you share I love the way Jesus couched it to Nicodemus. We are not condemned. It may be one of my top five verses of the Bible. I think I accidentally quoted it in the sermon, maybe last week. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The, the, the venom, its effects are gone. Simply looking at the cross. The Israelites simply looked at a brass snake on a pole. Can it be that simple? I remember when I first started teaching about what it means to be a Christian and the verse used, I think even in our catechetical materials is Acts 16 whatever where the Philippian jailer realizing he's got a problem in his life. We don't know everything that went on with him. Seeing his prisoners uh, able to flee but not doing it, Paul, Silas, asking them, oh, brothers, what must I do to be saved? 
And Paul answers, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Just trust in Jesus. Nothing more is required. Not the offering as you go forth. Not any good works before you came in or not anything you're doing right now. Just look at that cross as you'll sing one more time in the final stanza of that hymn. And you are saved. And you go forth, yes, like the Israelites, towards the promised land, but with some more wanderings and tests. The greatest test of all, though, as you witness to others, share this with others, as you seek to live in thankfulness for this with God, is not to forget. The Israelites did forget. This exact situation and story, we know from the Bible. Do you, do you happen to know, any of you, the, the, the word in the Old Testament that occurs, I think, only once? Nehushtan. Nobody? It is in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, about 700, 800 years later. King Hezekiah was enacting a, a reformation of the land. There were all kinds of faithless, idolatrous things going on. And one thing that he corrected specifically, it says in 2 Kings 18, 4, he removed the high places, broke down the pillars, cut down the Asherah, those were idols. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made for until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. Just means brassy thing. They forgot the point. I gotta look to God for my salvation, not to other gods, not make it more complex. Just look to Yahweh, Yahweh alone as my Savior, the coming Savior in the flesh, Jesus the Christ. I pray you, I pray I do not forget. Though we be tempted. You um, uh, need love especially from God. You need love the most when you deserve it the least. And that's the point today. You see your need in the poison of sin. Undeservedly, you, you turn to God and, and he so loves you with his pardon and peace. Amen.